The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. <laughs> His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas. Thanks so much, darling. Coming up on today's show, here's what we're chatting about. James Harden is a member of the Brooklyn Nets. It still doesn't sound right. We're going to talk with the athletics Alex Schiffer about that. But before we talk to Alex, we're talking with the one and only his name is Otto Strong. Otto, has it sunk in yet that James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving are all teammates? Uh, no, absolutely not. At least, you know, not not in Brooklyn. I mean, you know, two out of the three were teammates, you know, a decade ago in the middle of the country. Now we've moved the whole thing east. I'm just, I'm not, my brain isn't there. Um, but I got to say, I, I, but the first thing I was thinking about when when I, when I knew we were going to be doing this today. Patty Mahomes. Exactly, man. How you feeling? I'll tell you what, I, I would absolutely be lying to you if when that game was closing and Chad Henney was making his dash <laughs> across midfield, if I wasn't freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> Both of my neighbors to the left and the right absolutely hate me because I was outside watching the game and I was just shouting, let's go. And I was doing the clap and I was doing the whole fan thing, but man, and then not only that, but to have the cojones, you know, to make that call on fourth down, mm. to put the ball in the air, let alone, and go for Tyreek Hill, man, Dang. I wouldn't have made that call. But if Andy Reid can make that call, I'm happy with it. Yeah, both. so I got I got uh, two bosses. Uh, one is rooting for Buffalo and one's rooting for KC. And I'm not, I'm just like stuck in the middle. So I'm just, I'm, I'm rooting for the NFC this week. I'm rooting for Brady. Otto, when in doubt, you just go Mahomes. You just go Mahomes. <laughs> you go with the dynasty. You go with the better story, right? Like that's what it is. Plus, Alex Schiffer used to write for the Kansas City Star. So he can appreciate what the Chiefs are building and what they're doing. That that is true, but the better story, and you have to agree with me, the better story is Tom Brady. That 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 is the better story. Dude, I am so done with Tom Brady. Oh, I have Brady fatigue. I'm over it. And to be honest, I wanted the Saints to win that football game. Honestly. Of course you did. Of course yeah. you did. Yeah. Because you, you don't want to you don't want to lose to Tom Brady. You don't want to lose to a 90-year-old Tom Brady. To, I'm not scared of Tom Brady. <laughs> well, you're that not. guy can't even make a 15-yard pass at this point in his career. Uh, we'll but anyway. See. Well, put anyway. putting all that putting all that aside. I got From, so I got from one oldie to the next, right? Like we got three oldies that are still really good <laughs> basketball players. But you're going to talk about me for a second. For <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you're still young at heart. But we got three old guys in terms of basketball sets. Yes, yes. Playing in Brooklyn. Yes. Under one roof, which might be the greatest show on hardwood, right? Like uh, these absolutely. three personalities together. Has there ever been a better big three personality wise? Uh, the Heatles were good, shoot. but this is, this is on another level, man. Yeah, I mean, look, like Kobe, Shaq, and I don't know who you would want to make the third, but but in terms of like bonafide big three, I you know this this is uh, 
this, 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 this is up here. This is up there. You don't get, you don't get much better. I mean, like, you know, 10 years ago, uh, or I guess 12 years ago now, you know, Boston, um, you know, KG Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. I mean, those are, those are interesting cats, but, but these three guys are like alpha, alpha, alpha. And, and it's hard to know which way this is going to go. And like, you know, we're going to get into it, but, but my thing is to see Steve Nash, rookie head coach having to manage all of this you know it's not like you know it's not just managing all these, these three guys it's managing these three guys in new york city where you're still kind of considered the second team <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, I know, it's weird right it's it's so it's, i mean and then you throw in the fact that there are no fans like it's just a bizarre you know situation here but um i'm i'm in, I, i'm 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 all in on, what, on what's going to happen here I'm going to say this no rookie head coach has had a tougher job his first year than Steve Nash. Oh, look, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, how do you not like, you might be forgiven if you lose to the Lakers in the finals, but if you don't get to the finals with these three guys, uh, there's there's not a whole lot of, I mean, no one's going to have any sympathy for you. That's my take. So here's why I think this is the best big three of all time in terms of 2021 and everything that surrounds them. Mm-hmm. Three guys have the skill. These three yep. guys can shoot. Yep. Two of the three will defend sometimes, right? <laughs> I'm not even going to act like Harden tries to defend. Yeah, yeah. So not only do we get the excellence on the court, yep. but we get burner Twitter accounts. We get a guy <laughs> that sometimes you just don't even know if he's going to show up to work. Like that's part of the intrigue, right? Like, will he, won't he, is he going to be in the lineup tonight? We just don't really know. And if he's not there, how long is he gone for? And then you have another guy who you know, like he just wants to get his right. Like he just wants to put up buckets, put up points. He's kind of in it for the championship, but he just wants to score. So what's, so what's, it feels like there are some prop bets here. It's like number of games that Kyrie will play in versus the number of blocks that Harden will get. I like, I don't, I don't know what the answer is there, but it feels like there's a something there that should be a prop bet for somebody. Absolutely. Uh, which, by the way, we can talk prop bets in about two weeks come Super Bowl time. But that's Ooh. that's another day. Okay, let's let's discuss this. We record this show on a Tuesday. Uh, full disclosure: Kyrie will join this big three tomorrow. They will play on Wednesday for the first time. We got a glimpse of what this Nets team is going to be on Monday against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Nets toppling the Bucks. Are they now the best team in the Eastern Conference? Are they right now today the best team in the? I like, I think if you were going to play a team, you know, four out of, and having to win four out of seven, I think that they would prevail four out of seven times team in the East right now. So if that makes them the best, then that makes them the best. I still, for me, the proof will be when, when Kyrie comes back and I think, I think it's one dynamic when it's Harden and Durant, I think it's going to be another dynamic when it's Harden, Durant, Kyrie, or Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, however you want to, whatever arrangement you want to put them in. You have three guys that are ball dominant players that have to have the basketball in their hands to control the basketball game, right? Like Durant and Harden can really play off each other because they can kind of hang out in the corner and they can hit a jump shot if need be. Kyrie has to create his own shot. He has to be going downhill to be really effective. I don't know that Kyrie is going to want to be a drive and kick player. I, well, but, yeah, no, well, keep going. No, well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, Durant, I think, you know, I think we need to give him a little bit more credit because he did play in OKC with Westbrook. He did play in Golden State uh, with with some fantastic guards. I, you know, Steph Curry. But, but so, in Golden State, their whole offense is predicated on 
giving the extra pass, right? Like mm-hmm. the next pass is the best shot. There's no structure in Brooklyn. This is this right. is three guys trying to figure out what's going to work on their own. Right, right. Well, to, to your to your to your point, I mean that 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 dynamic, that aspect of Kyrie and his game and how he plays, that's going to be the one thing that is absolutely going to need to change. And so I say that the best team right now, I can't it'd be hard for me to say the team is going to be in four out of seven. But if Kyrie insists, insists, insists on pounding the rock for 20 seconds and then, you know, putting up whatever he gets, that's not going to win. That's not, you're not going to get four out of seven wins doing that. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe against some teams in the East, but I doubt you're going to you know, get that against the Bucks. If Kyrie ends up being the problem child between the three and he's the one who bogs down the offense, is Steve Nash going to have the courage to sit him if need be? Whew, well, or, is that, you know, or is that too big of a challenge? For a rookie head coach, ah, uh, that's a look. That's an excellent question. Like, I, I think I think it'll depend on 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 prior performance. I mean, like, if we get to the point where where they, you know, look, there these these however many games are left, these fifty remaining games for the regular season, you know, these essentially are all trial runs to see what works and what doesn't work. And if you get into a, into a situation where you see, like, hey, you know, hey, there's clear clear evidence that this is not working. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's going to be on on up to Steve Nash to to sit him and pull him aside, whatever, however you want to call it, uh, attend a birthday party, whatever the euphemism is for 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 not doing the thing that you were you know that you had been doing. They're going to need to figure that out. I mean, do you, do you see this? You see this working out? Any other? You know, I mean, I think and I think that Kyrie is probably going to get the tag, the blame, regardless of how this goes down. That's that's how it seemed to me at this point, regardless of. Of, of what happens in the weeks to come, months to come. And the blame, I think, and the drama is going to be caused from where he lies in the pecking order of those three. Katie's the alpha. I would say Harden's the two. And your third best option on that team is probably Kyrie Irving, right? This is uh, a guy who didn't want to play with LeBron because he wanted to be the guy on his own team. Yeah. And now he's the third best all-star on his team yeah yeah look i mean like i I mean you said it earlier like you know guys have this thing about you know at a certain stage in your career you 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 flip from it's all about minutes or it's all about buckets to hey i gotta i gotta get a ring slip a ring on this finger and i know in Kyrie's case he has one but um you know i I could i could see someone like Kyrie saying like this is my best shot to get another one because you know these things do not grow on trees All right, speaking of Kyrie, let's go ahead and head to the borough and learn a little bit more. It is my pleasure to welcome on Alex Schiffer. He covers the Nets for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex underscore Schiffer. And by now, he is writing about the toast of the NBA and the new big three. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time and joining us, man. Thank you guys for having me. So has it settled in just yet that this team employs James Harden? No. It's uh, it's been quite the week. Um, I, I mean, it's been two games, and then they obviously have Cleveland these next two, and then Miami on Saturday. So, it, you know, I, I can't. As I said when I joined you guys, I can't keep up with the day and time after the, after last Wednesday. So, give me like another week, and then I, I it probably will be like somewhat normal. So, what are things going to look like? I mean, we've got this, this whole Kyrie situation, and maybe you could kind of kind of hit the reset button for for folks. Where where do we stand with Kyrie at the moment? Yeah. So. Let me look at the calendar real quick. So on January 7th, um, Steve Nash took the podium for pregame availability, or I guess took the Zoom, whatever we're calling it these days. Um, 
and Irving had just been scratched for personal reasons. Steve was probably about five minutes ahead of us, you know, didn't really have much of an idea. Uh, Kyrie proceeded to miss the next seven games in that weekend, you know, the, the eighth or the ninth or 10th, he threw a birthday party for uh, his father and sister who were born a day apart. And that Monday, the video surfaces of Kyrie being at the party and what appeared to be violating the leagues and or did violate the league. So uh, health and safety protocols. And then there was all this talk about, you know, what, what's going on, what's the deal. And Steve Nash wasn't given much answers. And, you know, eventually he was fined for violating the health and safety protocols. He had a forfeit salary for two games, which is about 800 K 816 K I think. And then he was fined an additional 50 K and then, on Saturday, he was cleared to return, but they're trying to ramp it back up to basketball activities. And now all signs indicate that he will be playing tomorrow night against the Cleveland Cavaliers, his old team. So not much has been said about it. Kyrie was every mum today and um, no one still really seems to know exactly what, what was the deal there. Alex, how did his teammates take his absence? They, you know, to my knowledge, it wasn't really talked about a lot with them and, and brought up a whole lot. And you have to remember, I mean, the team that he left and came back to was night and day, you know, um, I mean, a lot of that core is gone and, and it was really after the trade, it was Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan, and a bunch of reserves. So it, it hasn't, you know, they haven't been asked a lot about it. They've, they've said they were praying for him and have been in touch with him to some degree, but th- even they haven't really talked about it. And, and I mean, in their defense, a lot's happened while he was gone, you know, the, with the trade and the ramifications of that, um, you know, that kind of, that kind of swallowed up a lot of the questions we were asking them to begin with, let alone, you know, being able to get into Kyrie. Right, so this team is in fifth place. Uh, there are nine and six at the moment. They've got, you know, w- w- what would be called winnable games for this team that is now stacked um, seemingly, you know, what, what, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the, about the game against the Bucks and that, and that performance. Um, what, what did you see that you liked from there? Yeah. I mean, down the stretch, they, they found a way to win, right? I mean, their, their defense now that they have this super team is, is the question that people are, are wondering, can they get enough stops in, in playoff games? But, you know, they, they go to Chris Middleton really well on that last play that, that rimmed out. Um, you know, Harden and Durant have looked beautiful play next to each other. I mean, they're moving the ball. They're, they're deferring to one another. They, they've really looked great. Like, they never left Oklahoma City together. And um, you know, to me, the, the revelation of the Bucks game was DeAndre Jordan. I mean, people were bitter about, you know, what happened with Jared Allen. He was the better player than DeAndre. He was younger. He was a homegrown guy that was there when no one cared about the team. And he had 12 points, 12 rebounds. He had a lot of putback dunks. I thought his passing was great. You know, I think DeAndre is a very underrated passer. And, I mean, defensively, he gave Giannis Antetokounmpo some problems. He, he met him at the rim a couple times. He made his life hard when he drove to the rim. Um, and, and he, he guarded, he, it was probably maybe his best defensive game as a net. And I I think the biggest question is, was that a blip or is that, are we going to start to see the guy that was a pretty good defender during the lob city days? But, um, I, uh, I, I, I think he was the revelation just because we already knew that, that Harden and Durant could play and, and play well alongside each other. But Jordan's role just became so much more important when, I mean, he's their only true center, essentially. Their, their backup center right now is Jeff Green. So he, he's, he rose to the moment last night. Does he stay there, though? 
Alex, while you touched on it, I want to mention Jared Allen, and I also want to touch on Karis LeVert, two big parts of that trade. Defensively, how big of a difference did they make for this squad? And, you know, you mentioned DeAndre Jordan, and a lot of that was defensively, is this team going to be able to score enough, or are they going to score enough where it's just not going to matter? How big of a loss is Karis LeVert and um, Jared Allen? Yeah, I, I think in order, Jared and then Karis are the the – in terms of importance, it, it goes that order because, I mean, Jared was a lot more durable than Karis. I mean, Karis obviously had injury concerns and, and a history there. And I mean, credit to um, credit to Karis LeVert. I'm I'm pulling for him after what came out about him with with the mass on his his kidney. I want to say I'm I'm hoping all all is well there. But um, I I just think that he it's a team that lacks good defenders. I think Karis LeVert's a serviceable defender and he's, he's a good at getting steals and can, can be a good defender. But I just think that Jared was just such a great rim protector for this team and, and a guy you could really anchor your defense on and just a better player than DeAndre Jordan, frankly, and the guy that they could have made the long-term center there. But, but because of politics that he, he's not here anymore, you know, LeVert, I think the biggest thing with LeVert is that obviously with Kyrie's injury history and of his own and, and, you know, this, I don't even know what you want to call it, hiatus, I guess. Um, you know, with and and ta- and couple that with the Spencer Dinwiddie injury. I mean, the the Nets point guard depth going into the season was Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Lavert, and then you can get into either Tyler Johnson, Chris Gioza, et cetera. Um, now, I mean, it's it's they're banking on Kyrie being healthy, which is a bit of a, a bit of a risk there. And after him, I mean, it's Chris Gioza as, as their next point guard or, or Tyler Johnson. So. Obviously, Harden can play the point, but ideally, you know, those three are all switching on who's the, the on-ball guy there. So I, I think that Levert, because of point guard depth, you can make a strong case there. But again, they still have Kyrie and Harden. Um, Allen, I mean, I, I just think he's a much better player than DeAndre right now, hands down. You mentioned a little while ago, you mentioned talked about uh, KD and Harden and having them like, basically like they never left OKC. Talk a little bit more about, about that dynamic as it pertains more so to KD since he's clearly the guy going to be here. Yeah. You know, they talked about it last night, how when they were playing together in OKC, they were young, they didn't know any better. And now they're, they're grown men. They've been around the block a bit and they, they just, I I think the, what's so great about the way they won last night is, you know, Harden takes a three, crashes the boards, gets his rebound, kicks it right out to Durant at the top of the key for the three. They, they have no problem deferring to one another. Um, They have no problem uh, finding the, you know, passing up a good shot for the other one to get a better one. And I, I just think that the biggest thing that's going to be with this team's success is can they sacrifice? Durant's already had the sacrifice before. Um, I mean, going to Golden State, he knew what that meant for his stats and, and everything else. And um, I mean, Harden, it was his way essentially all throughout his time in Houston. They, he wanted Dwight Howard. They got him Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and it never worked out for any of them. So, I mean, I think to see Harden sacrificing early on is good because there wasn't really much evidence beforehand as to whether or not he can make it work um, and plenty of skeptics. Whereas with, you know, when it, when Kyrie comes back now, it's going to be even more interesting if they can keep this going. Yeah. And that's a good point to remind people we're taping this show on a Tuesday. Kyrie's expected to play with the Nets for the first time as part of this big three on Wednesday. So let's throw that into the fold. You mentioned how, nicely both Katie and Harden have been able to mesh together in a short amount of time. The natural wrinkle into that is Kyrie, how he can create his own shot, how ball dominant he is. What are the expectations for how these three guys mesh? 
<laughs> Are there any? I mean, you know, I, I think I think they all know what's at stake. They all know that this has to work. It's their best shot to win a title at this stage in their careers, right? As things currently sit. Um, and I think Steve Nash said it best. If they really want to win, they'll find a way to make it work. But, um, you know, I don't know what's fair expectations. I mean, I, I don't even think the expectations should, no one should care offensively. I mean, I don't think their ability to score is going to be a problem. It's can they defend? Can they, can they get stops when they need to? Um, you know, they don't, you know, Duran, I think, is a pretty good defender, but obviously Harden and Kyrie have never really made that their mojo. So what what does that look like? And, and I mean, their ability to continue to upgrade the roster has essentially been handicapped. I mean, so, someone used a really good phrase that they're, they're, they're bankrupt in terms of assets now. So they have to make this work with this group or else, I mean, it all gets blown up. So I, I don't know. I, I don't really think I've answered the question, honestly, but I mean, I don't know what expectations are. You know, these are three very interesting personalities. These are weird times we're in. Um, if I'm on the next podcast and they've won 10 in a row and it isn't really close, I wouldn't be surprised. If you're telling me that everyone's job's on the line, I wouldn't be surprised either. Mm, that's interesting stuff. Hey, so Alex, let me, let me drill down a little bit more on, on one key guy in this whole equation. And you mentioned his name and that's Steve Nash. He's, I think what I read of Nash, at least when I, the little bit that I covered him and, and seen him play back in the day, he seems to be the type of guy who, like you said, it's going to be on them to figure it out. Now you've got a first year coach who doesn't seem like he have, feels the need to overly, you know, get himself in the mix. You know, like, hey, here's the ball. There's the goal. You guys got to get it done. It, what's your sense of his strategy and how he will kind of manage that? Yeah, he's been very hands off I think in terms of I think he's talked about early on as a coach wanting to let the guys work through mistakes and figure things out for themselves because when he was in Phoenix with Mike D'Antoni now was one of his top assistants you know he, he as as much as you know he said you make a big deal out of seven seconds or less or what D'Antoni did in Houston with all the threes he said D'Antoni also kind of knew when to let it evolve on its own and take his foot off the gas and I think that's what's going to be interesting about this I mean I would trust three of the best players in the world to go out and freelance on their own and, and have success with it. But at the same time, as we've talked about with the dynamic of personalities, I think there is going to be some times where he has to be hard on them and kind of lay into them and how he walks that line is going to be fascinating. I mean, if it's as long as they're winning, you know, everyone's happy, it's fine. Or is it going to be, he needs to establish this early on as to how this is going to go. And, and you know, he's been very open as a head coach. I mean, what's, what's been interesting about, you talk about how green he is as a head coach. I remember asking him after one game, you know, why he challenges certain calls. He's like, you know, I've never done a challenge before. My assistants told me I should. So we decided I was going to challenge a call during the game, no matter uh, whether it was a good call or not by the mm -hmm. officials. So I, I admire how, you know, let's be honest. We know plenty of people that go into a job that um, act like they know what they're doing when they don't. Right. And, um, and um I, I admire how he's essentially said at times, you know, like, yeah, I, I just did this to see because I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but I mean, I think at some point with such high stakes, that's no longer an excuse. So, um, so how he goes about all this is going to be very interesting to figure out because, uh, you know, again, on one hand, he was hired to manage personalities, but that only goes so far with at some point with some of these guys, especially again, you know, Kyrie and Harden and Durant are all kind of used to getting their way. 
Yeah, it's nice to hear a coach have a little bit of self-awareness as opposed to just acting like he knows everything because he played in the league for so long. You know, and, Alex, and, was a, and was a transcendent player. It's not like he was just anybody. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's not like he was a Ty Lue, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just just to throw someone out there. But yeah, I, I, I would that burn from here. <laughs> something I look at is all championship teams have a leader, right? Regardless of who their running mate is. Like in Los Angeles, it's LeBron and Anthony Davis. In Cleveland, it was LeBron and Kyrie. You look at these three guys, they've all been the alpha on their team. Who is the leader of this team if they come down in a late game situation and they have to lean on someone? I think it's got to be Durant. I think you saw that last night. I mean, he was the one that took the big shot that got them the win. And, you know, there's been times where if you looked even on Saturday, I mean, when Durant was heating up when he had the 42, Harden kept beating him. So I think I think one of the good things with this team so far is that it's been established that, yeah, we have three stars, but it's still there is still a pecking order. And even got, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's obviously injured, but he even said to me last year that that this was never going to work when everyone was healthy unless it was an established pecking order as to who looks for their shot first. And that still seems to be the case that it starts with Durant and they go from there. I think the, the, the fact that they have all played with alongside other guys who were stars, you know, who were who were above them at, at some point. Um, you know, Harden clearly wasn't the guy at OKC when they were there. You know, Durant had at that times that you know clearly deferred in 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 Golden State. So and Kyrie obviously with LeBron and Cleveland. So I think they've all had to play that other role. And I think in a way, in a way that's going to help them. Uh, you know, especially when it comes down the stretch. What I'm what I'm interested in is are those are those plays where it's okay. You know, down by two, sideline out of bounds, game six. Who gets the ball? Who's the play drawn up for? You know. Yeah, I I agree. I, and again, you would think it would be Durant, but then if someone else is having the better game, do you go for that? You know, sure. I, I, and I don't know how much you guys watched last night. Durant was four for 12 in the first half against the Bucks. I mean, he, he didn't have a great first half, but you couldn't really tell either. So mm-hmm. I, um, th- those are, ty- those are the type of situations I'm going to be curious with too, Otto. Mm-hmm. Alex, does this team feel like they're the alpha of the East right now? Not really. You know, after the game against the, the Bucks. Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, they were all saying how they have a lot to fix on defense. And, and this is their, today was their first practice. Tuesday was their first practice with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and, and Kevin Durant all together. So I, I don't think they are, they're walking around like they're the, the thing. I don't know if you can curse on this podcast. I think you know what, what, what I was going for there. But, um, but I, I definitely think that, that they look at themselves as contenders. But I don't know if they're going to walk around and say, you know, put the target on our back. The East runs through us, et cetera, especially as this team is still figuring a lot out. So just as we say, don't put the target on the back, I'm about to do that right now. So, so here's the question. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, what's, what, what's the chance or likelihood that they will uh, walk away with the whole thing? Yeah, so, so right now, I guess, so 10, 10 being that they – 10 being they taking do, it all, yeah. 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 Um, right now, I'd say I'm at a 5. Uh, you know, these next few games with Kyrie coming back, uh, I'm going to be very curious to see what they look like. And, you know, they've Miami for those two game mini series at home on Saturday and Monday. If they, if they sweep that, I could go to a six or seven because uh, I would have beaten two of the biggest contenders in the East with Milwaukee and Miami uh, within about a week span. So granted Kyrie didn't play last night, but I still think that is something. Um, and then they have a, they have a West coast road trip kind of in mid February where they'll have, Phoenix, both LA teams, the Warriors, and uh, 
and the Kings. And that's another one where, depending upon how they do against those teams, I could, I could maybe go up to, a, to an eight or nine, given that I, I think the West is kind of built for them to um, – you know, the West, I think those rosters are built to handle the Nets better than most. So, right now I'm at a five. If you ask me in a week, I might be at a seven or so. All right, so you're at a five. Well, we may not ask you in a week. Maybe we'll ask you in a month. And uh, in until then, thank you, sir. That's uh, Alex Schiffer, covers the Brooklyn Nets for The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter and at The Athletic. That was dope. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Otto, I think we got a lot of good stuff there from uh, Alex Schiffer. But I'll ask you this before we talk Draymond real quick. Do you ever get tired of having to listen to Jayhawk, Missouri Tigers, Kansas City talk between all these people that we have on that I somehow have connections with? It's, it's a small world after all, right? It, it is a small world after all. Like, uh, no, and the answer is no. I, I, I enjoy listening to the wide range of, of perspectives from uh, you know, across, across the land. So I, I, don't, I don't have that problem. Hey, we just have a lot of good writers that have come from the heartland at some point in time, Otto. But anyway, uh, so there was this clip that was making its rounds around Twitter. And of course, being the social media savant that I don't claim to be, I was rifling through my Twitter feed. I saw it and it was this clip of Draymond Green coaching James Wiseman. And a lot of people have speculated maybe what Dre could do after his NBA playing career is done. And a lot of people, have said that maybe he's going to be a coach, you know, that he works really well with younger players. And this was the first instance that I had heard Dre mic'd up in this situation. And I'll tell you what, Otto, I'm not sure if you got a chance to view this clip, but if people have not, you should go check out my Twitter account. It's at Aaron underscore Berlin. He sounded like a head coach in that situation. Oh, he definitely did. I mean, you know, I, I, what I liked is that he kind of, you know, he went at, he went at Weissman, but he went at him with, with a, with, you know, with respect. He didn't try to make him look like a fool. It was just about, hey, we just, you know, watch the ball. I mean, it, or, you know, if you didn't see the ball, he goes, aha, exactly. I mean, I thought, I thought it was really, I thought he really kind of um, you know, captured the essence of, I mean, look, there, there are a whole lot of coaching styles. Um, I think we've been conditioned to think that Draymond is somehow, uh, and I, you know, the media has Draymond, you know, he's crazy. He's, he, you can't control him. I mean, I, you know, but so to, so to see him, you know, with the mic on without just, you know, with no filter, I, I thought it was great. And I could definitely see him, you know, in, in you know, evolving and growing into, you know, a coach at some, at some point. I could, I could see it. Yeah. The best head coaches are the ones that know how to, how to toe that line, right? Like the ones who get fiery and passionate during games, but also the ones that say, Hey, what the hell are you doing, man? You saw it. You just said that you saw it. So why didn't you do it? Those are what great coaches can do. And Dre can play off a lot of different styles. And you will, I've never heard of a teammate have any kind of frustrations with Dre. Have you? I mean, Uh, there's been times where he's barked back and forth with KD, but I think a lot of people have respect for him. Well, I mean, look, there are frustrations about, about antics and about things like that. But as far as I don't recall there being any frustrations when it comes to, um, play and the x's and o's of the game and all that all that type of thing i don't i don't recall and i mean i and didn't didn't you know during his college days wasn't he seen as you know you know high basketball iq i mean so so yeah everything is kind of fitting in coach draymond green i like it does he go college or nba route oh wow um i feel like he's a college guy you do see because i was going to take the opposite tack i don't know if he would have the patience for the stuff <laughs> that, that some college guys might do i don't know that's an excellent question when we get him on the show we'll have to ask him 
Yeah, absolutely. Maybe <laughs> next week. We'll, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, let's let's call let's let's uh, let's say you know KC Chiefs Sunday for the final note. They're going to beat the Bills or what? Give me a score. They are going to beat the Bills, and I'll um, tell you what, it's going to be a ten point game. Okay. I, I don't right. know what the final is going to be, but I think they're going to wipe the floor with the Bills. All and right. I'm sorry, Bills Mafia. You can come at me for that, but it's going to happen. <laughs> I have not been impressed with the Bills the last two weeks. Okay. Well, everybody, he is Aaron Berlin. I am not. And that is it for this edition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. want to thank our, our, fine, uh, our fine staff, including our producer, Scott Turkin, the man in the chair, as I like to say, our big boss, uh, Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Tom Phillip. Bill's Mafia, come at me uh, with everything that you have. Special thanks to Alex Schiffer for taking the time and joining us. Just a reminder, you can catch his stuff on The Athletic. He covers the Nets. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex underscore Schiffer. And if by chance you're a Royals fan, every now and then he's going to throw in some Royals commentary because he used to cover them as well. As for Pure Hoops Media, here's what we have coming at you this week. It's our full list of shows. Monday, it's the Mike Wise Show. Tuesday, full court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay. They continue to dominate the college basketball scene. And speaking of two teams that have really looked good so far this college basketball season, Gonzaga and Baylor, a step above the rest. Those Bears looked really good last night against the Jayhawks. Wednesday, it's Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto and myself. We give you all the NBA's latest news and nuggets. On Thursdays, it's a former Baylor Bear, King McClure and Monica McNutt, as they host Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. And then we wrap it all up with a Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Otto, did I miss anything? Only thing you missed is that on Wednesday, we are changing presidential administrations. However, what we are not changing is the stance that we should all have against coronavirus. Uh, please continue to wear masks, social distance, wash your hands. It all makes a difference. Keep one another safe. Peace and love. Amen. See you guys next week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.